Welcome back to History Obscura Podcast. I know a lot of you are getting antsy out there and times just got a little bit more restrictive. So, hey, why don't you put on the kettle, grab a biscuit or three and join me for a story. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the end of the world. Once upon a time, at the end of the year 999 CE, it was the end of the world. Sylvester II had been placed into the holiest of occupancies, that is the office of Pope, in April of the year of his lord, 999. As a Frenchman and a mathematical scholar, he was not an average leader of the Catholic Church. When Sylvester had been elected the successor to Pope Gregory V, a young man who opposed his very presence in the capital, the first thing the new leader did was to fill his residential Lateran palace with the modern tools of science and books, hundreds of books, covering the philosophies of the Greeks and Muslims and the natural philosophies of plants, animals, the sun and stars. Despite rampant rumors that he'd learned his mathematical and astrological knowledge from Satan, or a Muslim magician who is much the same thing, the new pope continued on his intellectual journey doggedly. With his abacus and armillary sphere in place on his desk, Sylvester II could finally begin his most important work. The apocalypse was coming and his people needed to be prepared. Pope Sylvester was not alone in his belief that the earth was about to be overrun by Satan and his demons on January the 1st, year 1000. Indeed, that notion came straight from the Christian Bible in the book of Revelation. To quote, He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and locked and sealed it over him, so that he would deceive the nations no more, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be let out, for a little while. When the new pope was consecrated, he made clear his intentions to work with Holy Roman Emperor Otto III, to renew the strength and faith of the Christian Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had converted to Christianity during the rule of Emperor Constantine in the 4th century. By the 10th century, it was on the cusp of regaining its former power and size by incorporating city-states and small kingdoms throughout Italy and modern Germany. It was, however, extremely fragmented and under constant political pressure from localized rulers. Pope Sylvester was determined to strengthen the Christian faith throughout Europe, and in doing so, cement the ultimate rule of the Holy Roman Empire. Of course, despite his devotion to the Christian faith, Sylvester was feared and hated by many people in his realm mostly due to his book learning. According to legend, before he became Pope, 
Sylvester learned sorcery in the Muslim cities of Cordoba and Sevilla. He was also supposed to be in possession of a book of spells stolen from an Arab philosopher in Spain. After having stolen said book, Sylvester fled, pursued by the victim who could trace the thief by the stars. But, aware of the pursuit, Sylvester hid, hanging from a wooden bridge where, suspended between heaven and earth, he was invisible to the magician. In addition to his magical powers, Sylvester was supposed to have built a brazen head. This is a robotic-style head that would answer questions in affirmative or negative. He was also reputed to have had a pact with a female demon called Meridiana, who had appeared after he'd been rejected by his earthly love and with whose help he managed to ascend to the papal throne. Another legend tells that he won the papacy by playing dice with the devil. Still, Sylvester worked to spread his true Christian faith. To extend papal influence, Sylvester reached out to Christian rulers all over the known world. He exchanged letters with Vladimir I, the Grand Prince of Kiev, and the first Christian ruler of what would become Russia. He also demanded that King Olaf I of Norway, who had already made his country Christian, stop using ancient runic writing. This, the Pope felt, undermined the one true God and hearkened back to the time of the Norse pantheon. He sent Christian ambassadors to Dalmatia and even argued with the Doge of Venice and the Patriarch of Grado for what he believed were loose morals unbecoming of Christians. The Pope also announced that there would be no more buying your way into high positions within the church, nor granting positions to family members. Furthermore, he demanded celibacy from all clergy. This was not a popular idea. In keeping with his biblical reading, Pope Sylvester II predicted the Lord Jesus would return in the year 1000 and Satan would also walk the earth. The Christians of Europe were extremely frightened of what might happen January 1st. Perhaps this was inevitable, given their belief that the Pope had personally met the devil and various other demons. It's said that when the time came for the devil's re-entrance to the surface world, Christians huddled together in the churches, lying face down on the floor, waiting for the time to come. But before those poor Christians huddled in fear, richer Christians of Europe went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Not every Christian in Europe could afford to make a journey that was as long, exhausting, and expensive as a trip to the Holy Land. Many peasants and commoners had to remain content with visiting sacred sites in Europe, if they could afford to do even that. Those who did make a trip to the Holy Land, therefore, tended to be from higher classes, including landowners, clerics, and prosperous merchants. Of course, the main purpose of undergoing a pilgrimage was to do penance for one's sins, 
so that they might be accepted into heaven at the rapidly oncoming end of the world. According to church teaching, sinners could achieve salvation in heaven by showing that they were sorry for their sins, confessing them to a priest, and then offering penance to acknowledge that their sins were offenses against God. Frequently, penance consisted of prayer or giving aid to the poor, but another way to repent was simply to go on a pilgrimage. The journey itself, being so difficult, was part of the penance. A pilgrimage to the Holy Land, from Western Europe, took months. Typically, European pilgrims would start as soon as they could in the spring, and hope that they could make it to the Holy Land, visit the sites, and return before winter though problems such as illness frequently cause delays. Accordingly, a pilgrim had to make many arrangements before departure. The first of these was to raise the money to make the journey. A noble or other prosperous pilgrim who wanted to travel in style might spend up to an entire year's income to make the journey. Poorer pilgrims spent much more than a year's income and often relied on donations and support from their families. Landowners financed the journey by mortgaging their estates, or a portion of them. Others sold personal property. The year 999 was a record one for pilgrims, thanks to several new political alliances that made the journey safer. In the end, whether in Jerusalem, or Italy, or elsewhere, it soon became clear that the world had not ended. The Pope was wrong. Slowly, the people peeled themselves up off the floor and went back to their farms. And soon, biblical experts realized their obvious mistake. Of course Jesus would not turn 1,000 years after his birth he was going to return 1,000 years after his death. Clearly, the true date of the apocalypse would be the year 1033. As for Pope Sylvester, apparently his brazen head told him never to read Mass in Jerusalem or the devil would come for him. Concerned, he canceled a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and read Mass at Rome's Holy Cross of Jerusalem instead. He became sick soon afterwards and, dying, asked his cardinals to cut up his body and scatter it across the city. Well, some people claimed Sylvester was attacked by the devil while reading Mass, and the devil mutilated him and gave his gouged-out eyes to demons to play with in the church. Repenting, the Pope then cut off his own hand and tongue. Whatever truly occurred, Sylvester ended up in bits. The inscription on his tomb reads in part, Iste locus Sylvestris membra sepulti venturo domino conferet et sonito. Or, this place will yield to the sound of the last trumpet the limbs of buried Sylvester II, at the advent of the Lord. We're still not sure whether the world ended in 1033. If you have evidence either way, please do share. 
thanks as always for listening, friends. Did you know I am now on Buy Me a Coffee? I mean, of course it's a tea, but you get the point. You can find that link on Twitter or on the website. And as always, if you'd like to become a patron of the show, you can find that link at patreon.com forward slash history obscura. And for just $2, you'll get access to all my bedtime stories and more every month. Good night. Good night.